Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Hello, everyone. So you might have noticed that um, the sermon is starting a bit earlier than normal today. Um, I'm a pr- we're probably running about 15 minutes early, which is a record for us. No, it's deliberate. It's so we have a bit more time and usual to respond afterwards. Um, as I'm going to be preaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit today in our um, Holy Spirit series. Um, this morning we're particularly going to be thinking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, before we go any further, just to talk about, just to get right-headed about this, the Holy Spirit is given to us because of the work of Jesus. Jesus' work on the cross his death for us, his resurrection, and then his ascension back to be with the Father in heaven. The idea is, is that Jesus' exaltation or Jesus' going up means the Spirit can come down. Okay, that's, that's the idea. And it's really important you understand that. Otherwise, you can begin to think about the activity of the Holy Spirit in reference to yourself. How am I doing? You know, is the Holy Spirit being poured out? Have I been this? You can start getting introspective. Which actually there's a much bigger story going on here. All through the Old Testament, you find prophecies and promises of a day when the Spirit will be poured out in abundance on all people. Not just on the occasional Samson or Gideon or Moses, but on all of God's people, regardless of their social standing. You might be here today fairly well off. You might be here today and you might have nothing. That has got nothing to do with whether or not God will pour out his Holy Spirit upon you. Whether you're a man or whether you're a woman, whether you are young, whether you're old, none of these things have any bearing on whether or not the Father will pour out the Holy Spirit on you. This is The Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father for all of his people. Okay, And you become part of God's people through faith in Jesus Christ. And then you, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you enter into the amazing and incredible results of all that he has accomplished for us. So even though the Holy Spirit comes, he is the gift of God and salvation is the gift of God. He is also the result of someone else's work. Okay, So the Holy Spirit being given to us as a gift, salvation being given to us as a gift, comes to us freely because of all that Christ did for us. And so it's really important that we understand that because we understand two things, that it's a gift, but it's really costly. It's a gift, so, but, so, so in that sense we're confident that we can receive it because gifts are different from rewards. Gifts are different from wages. Gifts are gifts. Okay, Gifts do not come on the grounds of anything you've done, anything you've earned, any, on the grounds of your own performance. That's rewards, that's wages. Gifts, the rules are completely different. Gifts are gifts. Turn to the person next to you and tell them that gifts are gifts. What did Jesus say? He said, freely you have received, freely give. We receive freely. It's free. You've got to get your head around that. But but we receive it with kind of trembling and awe. Why? Because we recognize that the very life of God's one and only Son was poured out in agony in order that we might receive this gift. And so we go, wow, I'm not going to treat this gift lightly. I'm not going to treat this gift flippantly. This is awesome. This is extraordinary. This is the grace of God. 
So I want us to have that big story, that big idea in our minds as we think about the gifts of the Holy Spirit today. The Holy Spirit was poured out in this way on the day of Pentecost. And it was like in heaven, a floodgate was opened that has not been shut since and will not be shut until Jesus returns. Okay? Something extraordinary happened on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit was poured out in abundance on all those who call on the name of the Lord. And that will remain the case until Christ returns. There's something what the theologians call eschatological about it. The eschatology is the study of the end times. So we're going to read a passage from the Bible, Acts chapter 2, which will just get us off, set us off today. As we think about um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to try and make it a short sermon. So there's time for a bit of Q&A, followed by worship prayer response. Sound good? Yeah. All right. Acts chapter 2. So, we'll get that. so this is Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem to the crowds who were gathered when they had heard this extraordinary noise of this wind that had blown in. From heaven. So Peter's preaching. Some people thought maybe these people are drunk because they were intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. They were acting in unusual ways. Some people thought, are they drunk? And Peter says, no, it's only nine in the morning. They're not drunk. And he says this. Let's read this together, shall we? But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Let's keep this slide up here for a moment because I want you to notice this. It goes from Peter describing what's happening in that moment of the Spirit being poured out and, 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 and it being the fulfillment of the prophet of Joel from hundreds of years before and all kinds of different people prophesying. And then it goes straight into this wonders in the heavens, uh, signs on the earth, blood and fire, vapor of smoke, of smoke, this kind of apocalyptic end of the ages kind of idea. And what we're, what, the reason why it does that is because we are basically being let into, let into the fact that at the day of Pentecost, a new age has become, and it's known in the Bible as the last days. So if anyone ever comes up to you on the street and says, it's the last day, say, yes, I agree, it is the last days. But it's been the last days since the day of Pentecost. Okay? It's a new age that's been, that's been ushered in, and we call it the age of the Spirit, the age of the outpoured Spirit. And it continues through until the Lord comes on that great and magnificent day. So if someone tells you the Holy Spirit isn't poured out these days in the way that it was on Pentecost and in Bible times, I, I believe that they are mistaken. And I believe that clearly that the Bible teaches that on the day of Pentecost, an age was ushered in that we are in until Jesus returns. Okay, and so we are to expect and look for the activity of the Holy Spirit in the same way that we read about in the Bible. Completely believe that. Um, not, I'm not, it's not like, oh, I, I believe that because I'm kind of 
crazy and dramatic and I love that sort of stuff. I'm biblically, theologically convinced this is what the Bible teaches. Okay, I, I think you have to do theological acrobatics to teach anything else. Okay, this is what the text teaches us. So we're going to think about the gifts the Holy Spirit pours out today. And again, we looked a little bit, I think it was last week, on why it's such a big deal. Because we are the body of Christ on the earth. He is gone. He said, it's better that I go because then the Spirit can come. And you are now my body on earth. So, so all Christ's um, very kind of physically, geographically limited ministry in that small area uh, of, the, of the Middle East for those three years is now being worked out across the globe through the body of Christ, the church. We can only do that if we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We can only do that if we are, if we are actually using the, the gifts the Holy Spirit has given us. And so God's mission to the ends of the earth depends upon the activation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the people of God. Okay? Otherwise, we're trying to do a supernatural task with just natural powers. We will not do it. It's, it's beyond us. We, we have to learn to increasingly um, be confident in the gifts that the Lord has given us and to, and to put them to use. And to trust that the, the, the measure of our gifts is, is down to the Lord. Some, some of us are gifted in measures that will you know, impact one or two here and there. Other people, you, know, you get your Billy Grahams and the like. That's in the Lord's hands. Okay? What's in our hands is faithfully put into use what he's given us. Okay, just saying, I'm, gonna just, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to hide or bury what you've given me. I'm going to use it, Lord. And we leave the scope of it with him. Amen? The peace about that. That's up to his sovereign will. We haven't got to worry about it. We can relax. Okay? But we just say, no, what, I just want to be faithful with what you've given me. It's a very, it, it brings a lot of peace into the, into the situation. There's two th- because we are the body of Christ on earth, two things are vital. Number one, unity. Number two, diversity. If you've got a body with no unity, you've just got, I don't know, you've got things moving all kinds of weird and strange directions. Even that was quite unified. You'd have a finger flying off there, an eyeball rolling across the floor. You know, all the bits are there, but it's just everywhere. Okay? So we have to be united. We have to be in you. But you see, well, it, it's a funny image, but the thing is, here's the thing, you see. In order to be in genuine unity... We need to have heart-connected relationships. We need to learn how to bear with one another. We need to learn how to forgive one another. We need to learn how to love and serve one another. We need to learn how to prefer one another. We need to learn how to trust one another. None of those things come easy. None of those things you just, this is a doddle. No, it's not. It requires help from the Lord. It requires a resolute heart. It requires a belief in God's plan for the church that pushes you through those seasons when it's really hard. So unity is vital, but diversity is vital. Because what makes up a body is many different things. And so if we don't honour the diverse work of God in making us different, the different backgrounds that we've come from, the different things we bring to the table, the different gifts we've been given by the Holy Spirit, then you end up with something that's just odd. It might be moving in t- together, but it's strange. It's, it's, it's weird. It's like a, I don't know, like a thumb walking down the street. It's just, oh, it's gross. It's gross, isn't it? How many of you go, wow, it's amazing. You go, that's a vi- what is that? A church, that, a church that does not highly prize diversity of every kind is grotesque. What is that? Clones, strange. There's no life to it. Unity and diversity are vital. 
And you often find a lot of the scriptural passages that are really emphasizing the gifts of the Spirit are also talking about the body of Christ with many members, one body, many members. Because a really key part of our diversity is that we use the gifts that God has given us. We don't try and be like that person or copy them. We learn godly traits from one another, but in terms of gifts, we don't say, no, this is how God has gifted me. And as we bring that, it, it, Jesus coordinates it all and it becomes a very, very beautiful thing. Okay, so let's just speak about gifts very briefly. Like I said, they're not rewards. They're based on his work. They're given for his purposes, okay? They're not by me and they're not for me. I didn't, I didn't, kind of, I didn't acquire these gifts through some cunning of my own and they're not to make me feel good about myself. Hallelujah, I'm pretty much out of the picture. He's given these gifts to me and I put them to use for his glory. So it's, quite, it's something quite self-forgetful about it all. So you haven't got to get all worked up. Someone's going to pray for you for gifts later. Don't get overly introspective. It's just uh, as he wills for his purposes. Amen? Yeah, it's, quite, it's, it's really, really enjoyable using the gifts God has given you for his purposes. Don't get me wrong. It's deeply fulfilling. And brings serious joy when you can see that God is using you to be a blessing to others and build others up. Wow, it's amazing. But ultimately, it starts with him and it ends with him. So we haven't got to get all kind of, don't get overly complicated about it. Now, I want to say three main things about how the gifts work. Um, let me read you what the gifts are in the Bible. Um, so we've got prophecy. We've got serving or helps. We've got teaching. We've got exhorting. We've got giving, we've got leading, we've got the gift of mercy, we've got wisdom, we've got knowledge, we've got the gift of faith, we've got the gifts of healing, we've got miracles, we've got distinguishing between spirits, we've got tongues or languages, we've got the interpretations of languages, we've got hospitality, and then we've got a list in Ephesians 4, which is apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. So I'm going to try and help us. And any of those gifts, if I was to go through all of them in detail, we'd be here forever. But when we do Q&A, if any of those I read out, you think, I really want to know, what does that mean? Then please ask, and I'll do my best to, to give you an answer for that. Okay? But those are, if, you, if you piece together the lists of gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, in the Bible, then you find these are the, these are the, seems to be the things um, which are particularly referred to as spiritual gifts. And um, the first thing I want to say about them, very straightforwardly, is this, is that when you remember the passage, if we could get um, Acts 2 up again, please, um, Abby, maybe the first bit. Um, remember the context of Pentecost was, was there were 120 people praying, men and women, praying and you know, as, 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 as Jesus had told them to, waiting for the gift of God to come. And then there's this sound of a blowing wind and, and tongues of fire rest on each one of them. And, and how many of those 120 speak in tongues? All of them. All of them. Okay, so so they they're all touched in that way. And then at later, as as Peter's are describing it, he just says. Um, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Here, he particularly picks up on prophecy and sort of seeing visions as part of this kind of prophetic gift. And, and, he, and it, again, it's just this kind of idea. The, the feel is everyone's going to do it. Okay. So point number one I want to make about the gifts of the Spirit is that any gift can come upon any believer at any time. It's completely up to the sovereignty of the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, that's one important way of thinking about the gifts of the Spirit. Literally, you can just know the presence of God come upon you in a moment and supernaturally gift you for a particular situation which just needs a touch from God. So don't get too locked up in what are my gifts. We'll go there in a minute. But actually, God has the freedom, the sovereignty to move and to just in moments where we just need a particular gift, we may never have used that gift before, we may never have moved in that gift before, but under the sovereign grace of God, he may just come on us. Please let's have that in mind. Please don't become overly formulated over it. Please don't become, um, again, overly complex. Tudy had a great word for me when we were praying for the service this morning. She was saying, thinking about gifts, you know, the two main times where you get gifts in life is Christmas and birthday, and they're both celebrations. And to have an atmosphere of celebration when we think about the gifts of God, rather than complication. Oh, I wonder, oh, no, relax. Yeah, there's a reverence because we recognize, wow, this man, this is God, and absolutely. But there's celebration. It's our good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. Do you believe that? (laughs) Yeah, so it's the joy, it's the delight of a father. A delight of a good father to give gifts to their children. He's our perfect father. He loves to give good gifts to his children. So to just be in that posture of excitement, adventure, celebration, be ready. If you're you're a believer, you, you know the power of God in your life. You know the reality of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Never, never get to that point where you're saying, oh God, God won't use me in that way. Who are you to say that? Just be that, just be that willing vessel, that open hearted. Son, daughter of God, just saying, Lord, here I am, use me. And you watch what the Lord will do, because there's an amazing freedom in the purposes of God and a lovely freedom in the movement of the Holy Spirit. He just sweeps through sometimes and just in in his um, unsearchable wisdom decides to use different ones of us in surprising ways. So don't rule yourself out. Don't create boxes that don't need to be there. Amen? Let the Lord move. Let the Lord work and let him use you in whatever way he wants to use you. The second thing to say is this, is that we all have certain gifts that are perhaps you might describe it as residual, a bit more of our makeup in God. It could be that actually um, they are what you might describe as natural God-given talents that when you became a Christian were infused or empowered by the Holy Spirit in a new way. But you could look back before you were saved and say, I can see, I can see there was a God-given gift there. Before this, but now the Spirit of God's come upon me. It's, it's kind of been turbocharged, and I'm now using that for the glory of God. But you can sometimes see that. people. You can see everyone on this planet has got God-given gifts. Did you know that? Everyone on this planet has got God. And it's, I, just, I love the, the, the subject, the topic of, of gifts and giftedness, because in some ways, there's something quite unfair about it. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? It's the freedom of God. It's the sovereignty of God. It's just... Some people are born with more gifts than others. Get over it. Okay, it's fine. It is what it is. You know, I spend a lot of time around people that are just way, way more gifted than me. I've had to learn not to be resentful, not to be intimidated, but to celebrate and say, well, where can, where can that person be used in the purposes of God? Because it's an extraordinary gift that none of the rest of us in the room have got. 
God gives different measures of gift. God, he just is completely free to do that. And he does that. And it's not a sign of who he loves more or who he loves. It's nothing to do with that. It's just in his wisdom, he's got a purpose and a plan. And he knows who he's going to position where so that his purposes come to pass. It's great. It's fine. And we just let God be God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We're not the captain of our own destiny. He's in charge. It's a wonderful, it's liberating. And you say, right, Lord, fine. I want to play in my position. I just want to play. In my, I just want to play. In, there's something wonderful about playing in position. There's something awful about playing out of position. There really is. There's something terribly um, um, embarrassing, frustrating, unfruitful about playing out of position. You just think, well, there's no need to. There's no need to. All of us, from a place of godliness, need to be ready to serve, just in the, in the broadest sense. At times in areas we're not gifted to do, you know, because it's just, we've just got to roll our sleeves up, be humble. Absolutely. But in terms of what you put your energies and your times and your main focus of your life into, it has to be in the areas in which God has gifted you. Otherwise, you are not honoring God. You're not being humble. You're not, to not acknowledge your gifts is not being humble. It's being weird. Okay. You ju- just, you've got to be able to say, this is what I'm really gifted at. This is what I'm not. You know, it's just so liberating. And so we've got to make sure that none, none of you, make, you've got to make sure in Christ, none of you are living under a shadow of other voices that have said what you should be, but it wasn't under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It was either coming out of their own brokenness, you know, or some weird sort of pressure, and you're living under it, and you're trying to be something, and you go, this is not working. If it's not working, you're probably out of position. And you just go, okay, step back and say, Lord, how have you gifted me? I want to flow in that. And just to know where you're gifted in those things is a really, really lovely place to be. It takes a lot of pressure off. A lot of people are not exhausted because they're doing too much. They're exhausted because they're out of position. Okay, so just relax. And then the third and final thing to say before we do Q&A on the gifts is that there are certain people that God gives as gifts to the church. So it's just Ephesians 4. Just follow, follow the wording here because it's quite... If you've got a Bible, please turn to Ephesians 4. Sorry, I should have had it on a slide, but I haven't. So um, if you've got a Bible, I'm sure most of us do. Ephesians 4. Is, uh, Ephesians 4 verse 7. Um, Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. So it's quoting the Old Testament. It's referring to um, the ascension of Christ. It says, when he ascended on high, so after his resurrection, after his death and resurrection, he led a host of captives, so he's, he's leading his kind of uh, satanic, demonic captives in tow as part of his victory procession. It's, the imagery is like the, the kind of Roman kind of victory procession. He's leading them in tow. Okay? And listen, and he gave gifts to men. Okay, you think, okay, what? So you, the idea you've got is someone literally giving presents to people, haven't you, in your head. But look what Paul does with it. Verse 11, and he gave, the ascended Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints 
for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So what he's saying there is he's taking that image of victorious Christ parading uh, through the heavens with his defeated foes behind him, giving out gifts. And then he takes it and he uses that imagery and he's saying he's giving apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers to the church. Okay? So there are, there are people that are given, set a, almost you could say set apart, if you like, for the church, given to the church. Now, what's really important to understand is this, is they're not given to the church so that they, so that they do the stuff on behalf of the church. So the church sit there and go, wow, that's amazing. I'm so glad you're here. Um, you know, now we can like, really relax. You know, that's not the idea. Okay? The idea is, is that they are, we're told here they're given to the church to equip the saints to do the stuff. Okay, so there are these are these are gifts that are the people themselves are gifts. They're given to the church. There's a, there's a grace on them, and they're all kind of word ministries. If you notice that all of them involve the ministry of the word, and they are given in a, 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 f- to be a blessing to equip the church. They're equipping gifts so that the church can do the stuff. So apostles are given to the church so that the church becomes apostolic. The church is able to carry that breadth of vision and a desire to press into to new areas and take the gospel to the, to the ends of the earth. It's that kind of apostolic breadth of vision is, happens because you've got apostles in the church bringing their grace to a church. Prophets come to a church, you end up with a prophetic church. Church that are equipped to prophesy over one another, to build each other up, to use a prophetic gift in the marketplace, in the workplace, to break open situations in people's lives. The people go, wow, surely God is among you, and fall down and give their life to Jesus. So the prophetic gift. Evangelists are given to equip the church, so the church is more and more active and confident in witnessing and proclaiming the good news. Pastors are given in order to be able to shepherd the church into, into learning how to uh, one another properly, build one another up, look after one another. So you end up with a church that is, that is a, a pastoral place, a place of love and care and encouragement. And teachers are given in order to make sure that, you know, to build up the saints in good doctrine so that they're able to then teach one another and input one another. The Bible says admonish and teach one another because teachers have come in and been given. So the, these also... These are, if you like, there is a different way that these particular gifts are spoken. The wording is different here in that they are given as gifts to the church. So, very, very simple sermon on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're gifts, not rewards, but they're based on the work of Jesus Christ for us. So we, we, we are confident God's given us gifts and will continue to fill us with his spirit. Why? Because it's free, it's not a reward, it's not based on my performance but there's a wonderful reverence that comes with it because, wow, it's all based on Christ's work. The Spirit of God and His sovereignty is free to move upon us at any time with any gift and use us any way He chooses. And so we just the main thing there is we stay in step with the Spirit. We walk in relationship with God. It's a living relationship. We are open to His quickenings when He comes upon us in these ways. We don't start telling Him who we are and who we're not. <laughs> we just roll with what God's doing. Step out. Yeah? They're all of us have certain residual gifts, um, different measures, different amounts. It's just down to the freedom and the sovereignty of God and His unsearchable wisdom. He knows what He's doing. It's really important that we learn what they are 
and that we put them to work so that we grow in them, so that others are blessed, so that God is glorified, so the church is built up. And when the church is built up, a world sees a church that reflects the glory of Christ, more and more people get saved. Okay? So it's, so it's, not, it's, not, a thing, it's not introspective, it doesn't end with us. It's for the, for, for the missional purposes of God to the ends of the earth. Okay? The upbuilding of the church. So, we, so using our gifts, playing in position, recognizing when we're out of position and doing something about it, not being passive, saying this isn't working, we've got to, got to adjust how I'm serving here. It's really important. And then also recognizing and receiving these particular gifts that Christ gives to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, um, shepherds and teachers, receiving from them uh, in order to be equipped so that the church, again, can do the stuff and build itself up in love and grow into the full stature of Christ. Amen.